Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Today, we are talking about life and relationships 101. Actually, it's not a 101 class. It's like a level 600 class. It's a hard... Is this a master class? This will be a master's class. We We have people in our lives we love, and they hurt us, and then we stay with them. And then they hurt us more and we stay with them and they hurt us more. And that's just trying to get the show on the air. I know. I mean, I can only imagine what's going on out there in the real world. The way you smack around the staff. I'm telling you. (sighs) Welcome to the program, everybody. Today we are talking about why we love those that hurt us. And, uh, you know, in the news, there's been a lot of news. A lot of TMZ has been going crazy. That they have. News. Okay, so some of the news. Remember Ray Rice, the football player from the Ravens? Yes. Punches his fiance at the time. Knocks her out. Janae Palmer knocks her out. In an elevator. In an elevator. Long story short, she's married to him. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand it. And I I actually intentionally waited uh, to do a show on this because right when that all went down, everybody with an agenda comes out. And they all start spewing their agendas, mm-hmm. and they create this, I don't know what to even call it, just this craziness. And in the end, no one really gets educated in what's going on. So I wanted no, to educate on it. because there's conjecture and yeah. guessing and second guessing. Yeah. You can say he's a brute. You can say she's, a, um, she's just weak for sticking with him. Mm-hmm. But this is called codependence, and people do this all of the time. There's another story that I know that Sean has been following very closely. <laughs> Honey Boo Boo's mom. June Mama Shannon. June. Mama June Shannon. Mama June. Mama June broke up with uh, Sugar, Sugar Bear. Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a, an episode of the Beverly Hillbillies, but it's really not. This is real life. <laughs> it is. Me. This is what's really going on in the world. Uh, Mama June broke up with Sugar Bear. Supposedly because she was getting back together with a guy she had been dating before who finally got out of prison. Oh, he was in prison. He was in prison. And he was in prison for child molestation. Child molestation. And it just so happens that who he molested was June's child. Mama June's ch- oldest child. Yeah. That's the news reports, anyway. And she's back. Uh, apparently. Now Shannon's 14-year-old daughter is slamming Lee Uncle Poodle Thompson. Well, that's Sugar Bear's brother. Hmm. My kids used to watch the, the TLC show. Yeah, see, th- this they, again. So they could laugh. Just the mere fact that we actually have these names in our <laughs> precious space in our head. <laughs> it's sad. But, again, another example of we go back to somebody that hurt yeah. our family. I don't I don't understand it. Well, we're going to learn today because it's it's hard. It's codependency. It is a root cause of a lot of crazy uh, syndromes with abuse and with drug use mm-hmm. and why we stick with the people around us. By the way, we're all is a little like, messed up. Is but it kind of like an addiction? 
It's an addiction. And it's usually a lot of times where my weakness is used by you to cover up your weakness and your weakness mm. is used by me to cover up my weakness. Okay. So as long as I need to serve you and take care of you and nurse you, and then I don't have to look at the fact that I'm too dependent to go get my own job, my own life, my own world, my own health, and you can constantly hurt me and blame me because I don't do what you need. Yeah. And it creates this cycle. It's it's codependence. It's very common. So today I wanted to talk about it. And, and so not – I really – I don't want to – get into the salacious details of any of these people because I think that's what the rest of the media uses them for. I would rather that we learn. The goal of this show is to give you the tools, to teach you how to get through this, get out of it if you've got it going on in your life. So you be thinking about it. If you think you're in a relationship with somebody that is constantly hurting you and you love them and you know you kind of feel like you should leave but you can't get out, today's the day. We want to talk to you. We have a great guest. Ross Rosenberg will be joining us. He's the author of the book The Human Magnet syndrome, why we love the people who hurt us. We'll be talking about uh, that a little bit later, but before we go any, any further, we really need to get to the headlines. Headliners from the Matt Townsend Show, a summary of stories that you might have missed. Big question, is it ever okay to lie? Yes, is I, my answer. I agree with that, actually. Mm-hmm. But staff writers at the Courier-Mail yes. decided we're going to settle this question once and for all. Oh, how are they going to settle it? This is fantastic. They actually, they're taking a vote on their webpage. Oh, good. Okay, good. <laughs> so, so if you go to the Courier-Mail, there's a little yeah. voting thing at the bottom of the Hey, let's just page. be really clear. People are lying all the time. <laughs> That's the first line is in that this the story. Line? Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is. do I look fat in these jeans? There you go. James, what's your answer? Not at all. See? You look great. Okay. No, dear, but you could... No. Not fat. <laughs> Jiggly. Never say no deer, but yeah, don't. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever follows, <laughs> exactly. it's just going to get right. you in trouble. You will die. You will die. So what are the, what's some, the some famous liars though? They go through some famous liars oh, in history. Pinocchio. Uh, that was Pinocchio Huge. was listed, but yep. they didn't go into his story too okay. much. Uh, the first one, Lance Armstrong. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. He didn't think he was. He said he didn't think he was cheating when he was taking the. The doping agents. You, I know, but you think about by the sixth Tour de France, mm. you'd be like, eh, I might have an advantage. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little advantage going on. Yeah. He had, but he admitted to using a, a blood booster called EPO and blood doping transfusions, testosterone, human growth hormone. Mm-hmm. James so, uses Skittles. Works. You know, but, like but you know what? The U.S. anti-doping agency is not going to test you for those. I know. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> Works James every time. <laughs> Um, the next one on the list is former U.S. President Bill Clinton. Mm. Yeah, I'll never forget. He denied the affair that he had I in did office. Not have, yeah. yeah, and uh, he later apologized publicly about that. Yeah, and you know what? Apparently, we've forgiven. I guess, except Monica came back. See, that's the problem. She's going to. She she's was, coming she was back. just speaking a few weeks ago, wasn't was she, she? Somewhere? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, she's back. Yeah. Um, another one. Big. One of the biggest lies in history. Um. Hmm. The Trojan horse. <gasps> Didn't oh. think of that. We're going back that far. Man, we're going back that far. That's a big lie. Oh, that yeah. is a big lie. But they also did a lot of big work to pull that lie off. That oh, was yeah, more like no a big kidding. scam. I, 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 I'd like to know if it was actually true, if oh, it actually sure. happened. Oh, it was true. I don't know. I think, come on. We'll Ooh. have to see. I bet you someday they're going to find mm-hmm. the horse. Oh, they burnt it, didn't they? I think so, probably. They'll find the wood. I think it was made out of wood. 
Yeah. It would take, yeah. take too long to make it out of metal or yeah. something. Yeah, it was, it? Out, it was made out of wood. Too heavy to make it out of brick. I've seen a picture of it on Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they took a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take a selfie <laughs> before, the before we get in. in. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. All right. Um, and, uh, the next biggest liar in history, somebody whose name you may be familiar with, but you may not be realize you're familiar with his name. Um, uh, who's the scammer dude that uh, stole all the billions from the New Yorkers and he's in prison right now? No, but the scheme that he used – Oh, is named after this guy, Charles Ponzi. Charles Ponzarella. Mm -hmm. No, Charles Ponzi. (laughs) It's actually his name. Uh, Is it Ponzi, huh? But yeah, it's a scheme where older investors receive interest that comes from new investor money rather than business profits. Yes, Yes. that's illegal. Yeah, (laughs) kind of. How would you like to have your grandpa named or have all of the great scams named after your grandpa? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but um, so Charles Ponzi, he set up a scam that promised to double your money in 90 days. Mm. <laughs> if you okay. can imagine that one. Ponzi. He ended up being charged with 86 counts of mail fraud and owing an estimated $7 million. But apparently that paid off for old Ponzi. Spent 14 years in prison. Well, not that part. <laughs> anyway. Ponzarelli. Is that so, it? So what's the those answer? Those are the liars. The answer is, the answer is go vote. Well, the on answer their website. is when somebody asks you about is, certain does traditions. Does this make, make me look fat? Or, you know, what, hey, mom, my friend said Santa's not real, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, does, do I, would I, do I make a great blonde? Uh, Stuff like that. (laughs) Or, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. (laughs) Right there. See the, see the self-control? Self-control. Self-control. That's great. So we're not telling you to lie. I just think part of li- – all of relationships are about kind of mutual manipulation. Uh, we don't yes, let each other but it depends on what you're that. manipulating about. No, but think about that. On your very first date, she has no idea – Oh, true. True. How you can't handle Mexican food. <laughs> yeah. She has no idea. Right. So you don't – That's why I don't so, go to Mexican restaurants. No, but we don't well, – no, On the first we, date. And anyway. we, don't, we don't even tell her. No. And I go bowling. Nobody tells no woman tells the guy that after saying I'm not hungry, I'm not hungry, I'm not hungry. They and then they go home and pig out. They, <laughs> they don't say oh, I went home and just pigged out all night after lying to you all. Well, and you, when you first start dating, you, you like everything too. Uh-huh. Yeah. True. Do you like Mexican? Oh yeah. sure, yeah. 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 Mexican. Yeah. Yeah. And if you spent your day playing video games, do you all mind day. if we watch baseball? No, I love oh, baseball. Oh, favorite game. Is that the one where they roll the ball and they <laughs> – yeah. Close. Very close. So we'll talk about – we'll talk about manipulative relationships uh, after this break. Ross Ros- Rosenberg is going to be joining us. He's the author of the book The Human Magnet Syndrome. We're going to break it open, friends. If you have somebody in your life that uh, you just can't let go of, you love them, but you know they're not good for you, give us a call. one eight five five chat byu one eight five five chat byu We'd love to get you on the phone. Uh, and, and take your call with our expert, Ross Rosenberg. See if he can help you through with that. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We will be right back right after this break. Welcome back, everybody. It hurts so good. 
Those relationships, folks, where we are just in love with somebody and yet they hurt us. They can hurt us physically, emotionally, mentally, but they break us down. And, you know, maybe it's better to leave them, but we can't leave them. We can't get rid of them. We've seen it in the news with Ray Rice, the football player from the Ravens, and his uh, now wife, Janae Palmer. Uh, You see it just in your friends, your family, neighborhoods, people that will end up staying with others that are abusing them. It's a complex issue, and I wanted to hold off until we could get somebody around here that could truly explain it and teach us what to do uh, before we, we address the issue. So if you have this going on in your relationship or somebody you care about, maybe a child, a son, a daughter, somebody that uh, is um, just in the cycle, with a, in a codependent kind of cycle, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. That's 1-855-242-8298. Or tweet us at BYU Radio, and uh, we'd love to get your question to our expert. Our expert today is Ross Rosenberg. He has a Master's of Education. He also is the author of the book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, Why We Love People Who Hurt Us. Um, emotional manipulators, codependents, and dysfunctional relationships. Ross has over 26 years of experience as a psychotherapist, a counseling practice owner, training company owner. You know, he's big into teaching and educating others how to do this. He is the author of the book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, which came out last April in 2013. He's been on the late night shows. He's, He's all over the place. He's also had more than half a million YouTube views um, just teaching people about emotional manipulators. So, Ross Rosenberg, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Well, thank you, Matt. I'm very, very happy and excited to be on your show. You bet. Honored to have you. And we really need to learn. We we kind of, and I'm not sure if you were able to hear it while we were talking about it in the introduction, the, you know, a lot of news came out when Ray Rice, the Ravens football player, and Janae Palmer there was the abusive act in the elevator. Everybody saw about it, saw it. They were just dating at the time. And then later she marries him and then writes a letter to everybody, leave us alone. And and a lot of people don't get that relationship. It's, it's, um, it's painful to watch, and there's abuse there, and yet we are so in love with these people, we don't want to leave them. That, that really is an area of forte, one of your strong suits, right? That's, that's one of the big things you focus on. Yeah, um, and one of the reasons that the human magnet syndrome is becoming a bestseller is it speaks to all of us. It helps us understand why ourselves, our friends, or these these celebrities get into these relationships where one person is this caretaker who sacrifices an altruistic, always is attracted to the same type of person, the narcissist. And it's like a dance, because if you think of a good dancing couple, you need a leader, Yep. And you need a follower. And the two know each other's roles. And in order to enjoy the dance, they need each other. The codependent um, who sacrifices and gives and gives and gives, it's, it's ironic. They feel comfortable and safe with someone who ignores them. Mm. And, and, it's like, and the narcissist, think about it. Who is a narcissist going to uh, be in a stable relationship with? Someone who has <laughs> yeah. self-esteem? No. Oh, themselves, really. They just need yeah, to be in a relationship with themselves, but they need somebody weak enough to not have an opinion. Exactly. So the human magnet syndrome says that the, these two opposite individuals, the care needer and the caretaker, um, they, this is, they have a relationship template that comes from their childhood, and they unconsciously will find each other, and they experience it as chemistry. Hmm. So when I was married, 
couple times, as I, I talked about in my book. I didn't talk about, wow, I'm, here's a narcissist. I'm in love with her. I hope she ignores me and, yeah. and, and belittles me. No, she was beautiful and bold and dynamic and sexy. And I fell in love with what I wanted to see. And she found a person that would take care of her. Interesting. She didn't, she didn't say, wow, God, he listens to me. He has no self-esteem. Yeah. So that's, that's, the, that's the challenge. The, this, this gentleman, the, the sports figure, Ray, I forgot his last name. Yeah, Ray Rice. It's a perfect example. She loves him. And, and when he abused her, she obviously comes from a background where she's been abused her, um, in most of her relationships. And more than that, in her childhood, her relationship template is that which she's afraid people will leave her. So she latches on to people mm. that need her. So she's not really. Ray Rice and, and Janae Palmer, they're not really drastic examples. They're very common examples. They, one of them just happens to be in the NFL. It, it, it's really sad because if we look at, yes, absolutely, right on, Matt. If we look at all domestic violence, violent partnerships, what type of person is going to fall? They, you have to remember, they all fall in love. Right. Not, the, the codependent's not kidnapped. The <laughs> codependent falls in love with this person, and, and eventually, sooner than usually later, this person's violence or, or controlling nature comes out. But what keeps the codependent from leaving? It's because of their relationship template that, that was formed early on in their life with their own relationships with their parents. They've learned that um, they, they don't feel safe unless they are helping someone and sacrificing their own reality, and in this case, their own safety. It's as, it's as if that's all they know. Wow. And to be alone is more painful than to be in a relationship that's painful. Yeah, and they don't even necessarily see that it's dysfunctional. It just is more of the same. Exactly. To see that it's dysfunctional for the codependent who, before they go to therapy, to see that it, to see it's dysfunctional is to recognize how broken you are. Yeah. So what they do is they fall in love with this person and they believe in the twisted, um, the twisted definition that they have that this person really loves them and they can change them. If only this person will do this. And codependents by nature. And I know this because I'm a recovering codependent. We believe that we can change someone if given enough time. We believe that the worst part of them is is not nearly that is always explainable by by the love that we see in them. That oh. only we can see in them. So you, it's almost like it's the savior mentality. You really deeply believe your love can change their pain and and turn them into a good person. Exactly. But 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 what's more insidious than that behind the savior mentality. Is the fact that you don't really um, have you have you don't have good self-esteem. You don't really love yourself. So when they hurt you, and you have low self-esteem, and you've been beaten down your whole life, you don't have that natural reflex that healthier people have. We're saying, well, no one should treat me that way. I'm out of here. Yeah. The codependent is afraid to be alone because all they know is that. Um, um, all they know is to be in relationships where people need them and hurt them. Right. So even now though they can't admit that. Yeah. But see, what's powerful is if they had the love and the if they could really love somebody back, they might have the ability. Except they don't have the boundaries and their own ability to to push back to exactly. to to perform what would need to really be performed to increase the odds of change. Yeah, exactly. And and the two hold on to to the fantasy of the relationship. The codependent believes that this person is her soulmate or his soulmate, and if it only soon sooner sooner he or she's going to really realize her mistakes and she's going to be with him. Mm. And the narcissist 
believes that he found an angel who will listen to him and care with, for him and will sacrifice for him, and he loves her more than he's ever loved anyone. And these two people love each other. But it's a distorted vision of a relationship, hmm. and only uh, we on the outside can see how sick it is. Yeah, you could see that in all of the news with the Ray Rice thing. So many people were disgusted by it. So many people just thought everyone's weak. But in reality, it's sad, right? It's a twisted, it's a twisted catastrophe in the making. It, it is, and you know, and, and another good example is uh, is Rihanna and Chris Brown. Yeah, I mean, no, exactly. A woman who had who was beaten up horribly, and 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 could a beautiful, talented woman, but she kept going back to this man who she described as her soulmate. Mm-hmm. And if we look into their, her history, this is a, a woman who was raised in poverty in Jamaica, who probably had, and, and, and I'm guessing because I don't really have the information, um, although I did watch her on Oprah. <laughs> yeah, well, so you've got all you need. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she was replicating what she learned as a child. Sure. She learned to be loved. You had to be pleasing and helpful to the narcissistic parent. So early on, her self-worth was made by uh, was developed by being something for someone else and ignoring herself yeah wow and until you solve that in therapy that's the human magnet syndrome that's we it. automatically fall in love with someone that reminds us of what is normal and comfortable yeah and it keeps you attracted the human magnet syndrome oh, excellent stuff we're learning here with ross rosenberg author of the book the human magnet syndrome we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue the discussion, try to figure out uh, you know, how we can handle this and, and go about you know, disconnecting and, and go about learning how to, how to fix some of these, these codependencies. Again, uh, if you have a question or a comment, if you have somebody in your life you want to talk about, give us a call, one eight five five chat byu You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're not going to take it anymore, friends. Today, we are teaching you how to disconnect, how to demagnify, I guess, the human magnet syndrome. That's that syndrome where, you know, the narcissist needs the caretaker. The caretaker wants to take care of the narcissist. Bada boom, bada bing, you have created the perfect storm. And now you're in love with somebody who hurts you. That is today's discussion. Whether you see it with Ray Rice uh, or uh, Rihanna or Sugar Bear and what's the name? Honey Boo Boo's Mama. June. June. Mama June. It's out there, folks. And those are just the public examples. In your own families, in your own relationships, you can see it where somebody is in a dysfunctional relationship. It's not working. And uh, in the end, guess what happens? Someone gets hurt or both get hurt. And you see this in addictive relationships where there's addiction, where there's abuse. Um, It's out there. So today on the show, we're discussing it. We'd love to, uh, if you have any questions about your relationships, you can do it anonymously. Make up a name. Give us a call when you call in and um, we'll get you on the show. The number here is 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. Our number is 1-855-242-8298. 855-242-8298 or tweet us at BYU Radio. On the phone 
is our uh, guest, um, uh, Ross Rosenberg's his name, and he has a master's in education. He also is uh, does a bunch of counseling, has a counseling organization and a training organization, travels all over the country teaching people about codependency and manipulative uh, behaviors in relationships. He wrote the book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, Why We Love People Who Hurt Us. Uh, and again, we're so excited to welcome back Ross Rosenberg to the show. Ross? Yes, and, and I'm really enjoying this conversation. I'm hoping that there are people out there that can understand and learn, like I did in my own therapy, that they might have what my therapist told me, a broken picker. A, bro- a broken told me that picker? And, he, and, and, he, and <laughs> imagine a therapist holding his index finger and making it crooked. Yeah. And, and until we understand that we are constantly and, 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 and almost predictably choosing the same type of person, yeah. the narcissist, over and over again, we have to understand that this is about us. It's so easy to blame the narcissist because they're hurtful and sure. harmful and selfish. But we're the ones that fall in love with these people. We're the ones that have bosses that are like these people who let other people take advantage of us. And the very beginning of recovery is to understand the, the bind that you're in, that you're creating these relationships by, by what I call your, um, your attraction template, your relation template. And there's hope, I promise. And that relation template, we learn when we're young about how we should love somebody, who we should love. So if we were abused when we were younger, we may have picked up a template that abuse is normal, it's okay, and we look for somebody that's kind of in that same ilk. Well, well, actually, very yes, very close. But uh, but more specifically, children need love, and a a normal, healthy parent gives their child unconditional love. A child who has one parent who's a narcissist, the child learns that if she can mold themselves into the fantasy version that their parent wants, they will get love. Mm. So this child learns early on that if they become instead of a human being, but a human doing, by learning to please, be the trophy child, to be the good child that they learn that they can get love. And that is the time during that, those years the relationship template is, is mm. created. So, so that, when that yeah. child grows up into an adult, it's almost like an automatic pilot that I am lovable when I am able to help someone and not, uh, and not ask too much of them. Interesting. Even if they're yeah. dysfunctional, unhealthy, hurtful, you're still going to yeah. eventually because, be loved. Because, yeah, because that has been your reality. How you are raised, I mean, your formative years are very, very influential on the type of relationships you'll be in. So if we look at the opposite, to explain narcissists, so a child who's born to a narcissist who can't please, who can't make their, their narcissist parent happy, they become the bad seed, the bad child. The narcissist does not like someone who doesn't make them happy, including their child. Hmm. This is a child that learns that they can't ever make anyone happy, and life is difficult, and they learn to focus on their own needs. And that relationship template is set, which explains why in these dysfunctional families you can have a codependent and you can have a narcissist. Why your sibling could be a narcissist and you could be a codependent, because each one of you as children figured out how to survive with a narcissist. Right, and the, co- and the codependents are professional caretakers. They're the ones that become nurses and therapists, and and uh, and that is why that caretaking has helped. They use that to help them survive. But when they fall in love with someone, it ultimately undermines their their psychological health. Now, is this who you call uh, the emotional manipulator, or is that a different type of person? 
the emotional manipulator is a term I used in the book, The Human Maggot Syndrome. The, it, it is, the emotion manipulator and pathological narcissist are the same. Okay, okay. So, so, and, so an emotional manipulator is a pathological narcissist. Talk about... Um, they they become attracted to each other. They're the yin and the yang, I guess. They're they're the exactly. they're the opposites, and yet um, and this pattern then becomes not just you know how we seek love with people, but even though that's the people we're seeking. We seek mm-hmm. to, we seek the manipulator, and it's interesting because we had a, a person on the show the other day that talked about manipulators, and he basically said you can't really have a manipulator unless you have you know, uh, somebody that's super conscientious and willing to at least think about what they're, how they're trying to manipulate. Like, they're not trying to evaluate the manipulation. They're just taking it as at, at their word. You have to have someone fairly naive. Right. And, and, and that is why I prefer the, the term narcissist. Yeah. Because, because codependents and narcissists can be manipulators. Yeah. And, so everyone's and, playing it then, huh? Well, no, I think, I, think, I think it's a human trait. We all can be manipulative sometimes. Yeah, you, you bet. Know? You know, but it is the narcissist who um, whose um, their daily routine is about getting people to take care of them. See, the narcissist never really knows that they're narcissistic. They're too fragile, and they don't have the, the awareness. So if you would confront the narcissist and say, you're doing this wrong, the narcissist will always deny it. Mm. They'll blame you. And if you get too close to the reality, they'll strike back. The narcissists do not really have the capacity, that the, the pathological narcissist, to actually own their narcissism and to work on it. That is why they need someone. This is the whole dance I talked about. They yeah. need someone who, who will deny their own reality and, 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 and see that as love. Interesting. So is a narcissist, when we get into these relationship battles, um, there really isn't a fix for a narcissist? Um, in my book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, I have what I created um, a theory called the Continuum of Self Theory. Yeah. And, and, and I talk about that there are ranges of caretaking personality types and ranges of, of self-centered and selfish personality types. If you are a pathological narcissist, it probably means you have a personality disorder, say narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, or you're a sociopath. What we know about these disorders is a key symptom or key uh, trait is they do not have the ability to understand that they, um, they are harmful to others or understand that they have a problem. You, that is an absolute critical psychological element if you're ever going to get better. Right. How do you get better is you, you feel bad, you want to change something, and you go to therapy. The narcissist can't get there. and The best they can do is change so they don't get hurt anymore, but it's only temporary. Man, I mean, it really is. Um, it's a big deal. I see it a lot in my own clients with in trying to teach them to communicate. I mean, again, how imagine how a narcissist and a caretaker are going to communicate? It's pretty yeah, one way. Yeah, well, they're going to communicate a way that the narcissist wants to, and the narcissist, because he is grandiose and entitled, is going to think that he's being kind and helpful because uh, as long as the, everyone does what he needs them or she needs them to do. Right. They're right. unable to really see how selfish they are, which is why they continue um, this behavior despite losing jobs, losing friends, and multiple relationship endings. You talk about how this is kind of on a spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. And so expl- so we've kind of heard the, the serious 
uh, kind of ugly, dark, dark, dark side of the spectrum, what would be just a more uh, softer approach or version of the disorder and, and the pattern? And that's a great question, and, and, and that's why I created the uh, continuum of self. What I wanted to do is I didn't want to say there's two types of people. There's uh, pathological narcissists and codependents, and if you are everything, and, and you're either one of those, and you're going to fall in love, and you're always going to be attracted to each other. Right. In my theory, we all, have, we all fit somewhere on the continuum. We're either more on the caretaking side, which in itself isn't dysfunctional. You can be a therapist, a teacher, and have good boundaries, and or we're either on the other side of the continuum and we focus on our own needs. That, again, isn't really dysfunctional. No. So, and, so in the center of the continuum, on the left is someone who's all about other people's needs at the expense of their own needs. To the right is someone who's all about their own needs. So theoretically, in the center is someone who has a balance between taking care of others and taking care of themselves. And that, so that's, all, the, that's the ideal, really, right? Yeah, but we all we all fall on one side of the continuum. So, right. like myself, um, my wife is um, she likes to take care of people. She loves to cook for me. She is a wonderful caretaker, but she's not codependent. If I push too far, she'll set boundaries. Yeah, and I like to be on radio shows. Yeah, <laughs> I like to write books. I like to talk about myself. And if I and and if and if I go too far, she'll correct me. So I'm more on the self side. But I love my wife, and I take care of her. Right. And she's more on the other side. And but, but it's the human magnet syndrome in a healthy version. You are always attracted to someone who is opposite, who matches up to your personality. There you go. And, so and I guess that's what you need to learn, though, right? Or the because some people, I'm assuming, if I came from a caretaker role, I may not know anything about boundaries. Right. And so I need to learn boundaries in order to keep us balanced. Exactly. And, and what, I, what I do in my psychotherapy is because if you teach a codependent boundaries, it often kind of uh, falls flat because they are so traumatized by what happened to them throughout their life that that knowledge, even though that they know is right, they don't have the psychological constitution to keep it going. Nice. So what I do, and this is um, in my, my second book that I'm writing and in a training that I have available on my website, humanmagnetsyndrome.com, is I, there's, you have to heal the wounds that are responsible for the codependency. And that is how we change codependence and, we, and they become recovering. Otherwise, it's what I call Band-Aid therapy. Yeah, right. You're working on the surface and the Band-Aid falls off. Yeah, you got to get down to the root, right, and get, yeah. get it out. Codependent, codependency is not about bad habits. It's about lack of self-love. It's, la- it's about being afraid of not being loved. And if you work with someone... In, and help them understand why they feel this badly about themselves, and you help heal those wounds, they start to set boundaries. Beautiful. We're going to take a break. We're talking with Ross, uh, Ross Rosenberg, the author of the book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, Why We Love People Who Hurt Us. We will be back, folks. More ideas, more tools to help you with this. If you have a question for uh, Ross, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. You can ask a question about you, your family. Again, it's anonymous. Just make up a name. And uh, we all are. We all go by different names here. We'll be back. More tools to give you a leg up in this crazy thing we call life and love right here on the Matt Townsend Show.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. A little love hurts for you. Uh, I don't know who's picking the music. <laughs> That's a great song. It's perfect timing. It's just, I don't know. I feel like another show. <laughs> hey, we're talking about uh, why those that we love end up hurting us. And then why do we stick with people that hurt us? And then we have to sing this song. Love hurts. However, uh, sometimes love hurts because you're married to a narcissist, right? Not just that cute little girl next door or that cute guy down the street. You're married to somebody that is an emotional manipulator, and you yourself have codependent traits, and then bada boom, bada bing, the perfect storm hits, and we're at it. And then we're stuck, and we're hurting, and we're hurting each other. So on the show today, we've asked Ross Rosenberg to join us. Um, He is the author of the book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, Why We Love People Who Hurt Us. It really is a great read. And if you go to his website, humanmagnetsyndrome.com, there's workshops, there's a bunch of stuff, his blog that you can look at, and uh, you can find out more about where to get the book and some of his uh, videos on YouTube as well, just to help you figure out how to, I guess, uh, disconnect and make sure that, that we can lessen the power of this human magnet syndrome that we might have. Uh, Ross, welcome back to the show. Great to be back. Great to have you. Now, um, this so really, this is an example where opposites attract. And you know what? I believe that the primary um, the primary dynamic that brings people together is human magnet syndrome, which is unconscious. The conscious elements are maybe sex appeal, maybe preference for politics or religion or body type. So we do have a conscious. Um, element, but when we when we meet that person, that is a fit. All we know, we have this flood of happiness and connection, and mm-hmm. we feel like they're our soulmate. And as my dad used to say, what started off as your soulmate is going to end up as your cellmate, <laughs> and that and that is a human magnet syndrome. It always starts with the chemistry. The chemistry is the unconscious manifestation of the human magnet syndrome. If you are born with love and tenderness. Your human magnet syndrome is going to, you're going to be attracted to someone who is opposite to you and could love you and care for you. But if you were born to a narcissist that couldn't love you and you always had to be the right type of person and, and the caretaker to your own parent, you are going to have an automatic magnetic attraction mm. to the narcissist and won't even know it. And it feels like, oh, just great chemistry. It's your, it's your cellmate. I mean, yeah. your soulmate. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's so true, which is why you make this a magnetic force, right? Positive yeah, and the mean, negative attract, it, right? Click. Exactly. And on the human magnet, um, excuse me, on the continuum of self, I, I actually have a negative and a positive number um, on on the continuum. So, um, and and the sad the sad thing is, the codependent is always the hurt one because they always have to take care of everyone else and keep believing that one day someone's going to take care of them. Mm. But because they can never realize the people that they're choosing are always going to hurt them, it's a pattern that's repeated over and over again until you go into therapy yeah. and you solve the problems. What, what do we do, Ross, when um, I see this happening with a family member, a child, a friend, or whatever? What can I do with somebody that is in this kind of codependent, emotional manipulator relationship the best thing you can do is is 
to show them that you care and love them or, or, and, and, and let them know that you know that they feel powerless. Yeah. Because the worst thing you can do is to say, what's wrong with you? He's being such a jerk. Right. He's being such a jerk. You should walk away. Because if, you know, if, you know, the, that never, never works. It, it makes the codependent feel more shamed, more broken. Well, and so more, I guess, say, sympathy for the other. Sympathy, but more than that, um, is, is without judgment, sympathy and empathy, and let them know that there is help. Yeah. And that's where my book has, um, you know, I can't tell you how many wonderful, wonderful letters I get, even on my YouTube channel, which is almost at a million now wow. views, I, I get letters that tell me they finally have an explanation. See, it doesn't matter how good therapy is. You can have the most brilliant therapist in the world, but if you don't understand the problem, you can't have a solution. Mm. People are given the answer that now they can take the therapy and really get to the bottom of it. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, I guess some of this is, so if somebody's out there listening and they're thinking, man, that is so my marriage, that is so my relationship, their number one activity right now, I'm hearing you say, is you need to get a really good therapist that can help mm-hmm. you uncover that past hurt, that past need. Exactly. And then what I recommend strongly is that when you're looking for a therapist, you should shop around Yeah. because we're all different and find someone that actually understands what we call the family system or psychodynamic element of the, of the disorder. In other words, find someone that understands that codependency is, is a result from having very low self-esteem that comes from being really hurt as a child. And a therapist that gets that, that's the person that's going to help heal the trauma. That's why my next book and my current trainings are about healing trauma and and helping codependents recover. Mm. I mean, it's uh, I, I see it again, and you see it in al- in alcoholism, and I guess it almost could be any form of abuse, any form of addiction, any anything. I guess can be played out in this magnetic force. Exactly, it's, it, and you know, the alcoholic um, or any addict is is narcissistic. Yeah. And think about it. Who's going to take care of an addict? Who's going to always uh, pay for the rent when he or she gets fired? Um, the addict, the narcissistic addict, is going to need the, the codependent or the co-addict. And that plays out because we look, at the, we look at these alcoholics and we wonder, why is she or why is he with her? And the, to understand is to understand how insidious codependency is. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's almost like sometimes when abuse takes place and a third party like the police or whatever get involved and it kind of forces this break. Mm-hmm. It's to me that sometimes that's oh, finally something. But then very quickly, you'll see the magnetic pole come back or uh, that's the time, I guess, to act is the minute they there, there has been a break. It's time to seriously right. separate and go get some help. Do, do you, can you come back after? I mean, let's say you have worked on yours. Would you just eventually no longer have a desire to go back? Well, what happens is, you know, with psychotherapy, it changes what I call your your, your human magnet attraction pattern. Um, and the more self-esteem you have, the more belief that you should be treated well, the better, more boundaries you have, um, you don't match up with the narcissist anymore. There's conflict. Mm-hmm. So what happens is the healthier you get, the, um, you need the narcissist to get healthy with you. Okay. Because narcissists have a hard time knowing that there's a problem. 
what I see all the time in my practice is my codependent clients get better, the relationships fall apart because finally, I mean, the dance doesn't work anymore. Right. Yeah. They've kind of, yeah, they don't fit anymore. Hey, on the phone, Ross, we have a caller, uh, Stephanie from Provo, Utah, that is, that's, that's trying to heal uh, through a codependent relationship as she's dealing with it. Let's talk to her. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, are you there? Hi. How are you? Fine. Good. What's your question for Ross? We, we, don't, we um, don't have so a lot of time. We've been so. in um, these kind of relationships ever since we were married with Terrence. Yeah. Um, pulling, you know, almost like an elastic band to two opposite ways. So we decided we were going to keep the marriage together, but we've been in therapy, you know, for 30 years. Right. And um, we came to understand that uh, you have to find the line which is you agree on something. It's what you can agree on because you want to keep the relationship. That's the most important thing you can do. Hmm. So, like, we have a daughter that's, now saying, well, I can do whatever I want. You have to put up with me. And we're like, no, because if you care about this relationship, you'll know that this thing is very important to us. Okay. So, what you're saying is, you're saying is really about that, boundaries. We'll keep with the relationship. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Ross. Yeah, uh, what, you're say- what you're saying is that if your husband and you solve the problem by understanding the necessity of boundaries and knowing what one person needs and, and finding a compromise means that you guys do not fit into the template of the codependent narcissist relationship. Because if your husband had a personality disorder, he would not be working towards some kind of solution. He would see you as a problem and anyone that disagrees with him as a problem. That's so it, I yeah. applaud you. I uh, applaud you and your husband. Yeah. I think, you know what, and uh, Steph's, I think, off the line now, but one of the things that um, I think is so interesting about it is uh, you can also be misdiagnosed, right? I mean, there's, I mean, so you could be in a relationship thinking you're in a, you are with an, a narcissist, and yet there might be something else going on, which is why sure. it might seem like it's getting better, or there really well, might you know, be changes going on. I have a uh, one of my uh, almost viral YouTube videos is called "A Covert Narcissist: A Sheep in Wolf's Clothing." Hmm. Um, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, excuse me. Yeah, and that's the narcissist who pretends to be the codependent. Oh, oh, and wow. That, yeah, and that is that's very sick. Yeah, pathological. But I, um, but I know our time's running out. But yeah. but that is a video I highly recommend. Oh, okay, what's that called narcissist. again? The covert narcissist. Covert. A, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Okay, because and and again, everybody, this is there's a lot of resources out there. One of the great places to go is to go to Ross's website, humanmagnetsyndrome.com. You'll get links to all of his YouTube videos there as well, and as well as his book. But uh, Ross, again, we appreciate you being here. You've uh, you've enlightened us. You've helped us understand at least the beginning of it, right? And then we'll we'll figure out more tools, more ideas to um, to continue growing and fighting through this. It's hard, folks. No easy answers, but uh, at least we're giving you a leg up. A little more information. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more ideas, more, you know, more tools. I'm going to go into my own coach's corner, give you a few ideas just from my own coaching world, and then uh, more fun, more exciting right after this break, right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome. 
back to the Matt Townsend Show. Second hour of the show today, uh, we have been talking about why we love, why those that love us hurt us. You don't have to hurt us just because you love us. And uh, just uh, had a wonderful discussion with Ross Rosenberg about his book, The Human Magnet Syndrome. You know, that's the uh, codependent cycle, and that, that's kind of the extreme version of it, uh, a la Ray Rice, uh, Rihanna, Rihanna, and um, Honey, Honey Boo Boo's mom and dad, I guess. Sugar Bear and Sugar Bear Mama June. And Mama June. It's funny. I don't, <laughs> I'm not really up on the Honey Boo Boo. Right. I'm not. I'm not yeah. up on it. I'm not yeah. up on it. I mean, I like it. You've got the action figures. Come on. I have I have the action figure, and I have a big jar of mayonnaise. Because I hear Mama June doesn't like well, the mayo. It's, it's Mama June repellent. <laughs> See, I thought that's why they broke up. Because <laughs> he was eating mayonnaise sandwiches? Like, yeah. Bringing mayonnaise sandwiches to bed. I don't understand. If you don't like something, why are you bringing it in your house? Well, because she's a coupon shopper. Uh, true. That is true. She had a two for one. See, you know this show better than I well, do. Well, that's how it all started, right? Didn't it start from a coupon show? No, no. It started from Toddlers and Tiaras. Oh, it It's did. a spinoff of that TLC show. Was she a toddler in yes. the tiara yes. wearing world? She was doing the she was doing the, the, really? the toddler you know, beauty pageants. <laughs> Yeah, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Hey, but uh, here's a little uh, thought for you. Because what do you do when you know, and you know this, you all know this, you know you're not the problem. Of course I'm not. You know the problem in your marriage, James. In my marriage, yeah. Is Michaela. <laughs> yes, of your, course. I mean, your, uh, your girlfriend. It's never. No, you're not your it's girlfriend because you're not married. Michaela, is that her name? Michaela, no. What's her name? No, Molly. Malali. Malali. We always think the problem's outside of us, but I here's here's a true blue thing I have learned. Now, what Ross Rosenberg was talking about? Those are some extreme folks. Those are people with true clinical diagnoses, narcissism, personality disorders. I mean, borderline personality disorders, it's a big, that's a gnarly one, right? Most of us don't have those problems in our relationships. That would be like the top 15% of the worst relationships you can get into. But can those people still get help? Oh, sure. Okay. But. Take longer, maybe? Yeah, but see, they'd kind of have to, it's, it's a long road because the narcissist, like he was saying, doesn't even know he's got a problem. Right. He's absolutely convinced it's everyone else. But for the rest of us that just have everyday problems but still need some help, we have to – it might be a little easier to get our spouses to get therapy and help than maybe the most extreme narcissist codependent. Sure. Right? A lot of times what gets the codependent into, a, into help is the police department. When they show up, Ooh, okay. you know what I mean, which you saw with Ray Rice. That all sounds sudden, drastic, though. Well, it is, except that's the, that's the kind of the end road of a codependent relationship. That's, that's where the it trigger. ends up going. By the time it, because it's just going to keep being, you know, it's going to keep disintegrating. Cyclical. But you can't let go because you're magnetized to each other. So, for the rest of us, how do we get our our spouses, our spouses, to get help when we need help? I've got some rules for you. Okay, um, in my program, I have about, I don't know. 10%, maybe 5% of the people that start my program, they start it without their partner. That sounds right to me or logical anyway. Yeah, because their partner's like, I don't have a problem. I'm not going to exactly, get it. Exactly. Yeah. And here's you the, go. You go ahead. You go get it. I mean, you obviously it's, need it and work hard. 
work hard on it because mm-hmm. you are that messed up. But here's the cool truth. When they start by themselves, about 5% of my clients start alone. When they um, Usually I have about an 80% chance that by the end of the program, their husband's there, their spouse is there. Wow. 80% of the time. They start alone. And you know why? Why would that happen? All I need is one of them. Yeah. Because once you get one of them, you can change the system. Well, yeah, but if you're if you're if you're in a relationship and and you you think you're having problems even by yourself, yeah. there's still going to be some sort of, sort of an effect from the relationship. Oh yeah. So when you when when let's say the wife comes and sees me, the husband doesn't want to, he just thinks it's a waste. But she starts going and she's strong enough. She's not always necessarily codependent. But when she starts and is strong enough to say, I'm going to do something different, and she starts going to classes mm-hmm. on her own, that's so different. Yes. And then um, she starts to learn that she doesn't have to react to him. So now she's not reacting. And she starts being happier because she's learning how to think of him differently. And all of these changes start to add up till he's like, what's going on? Yeah. What is the deal? So what's amazing about it is you don't have to – you don't have to take it, A. B, you don't have to just not get help. But you also don't have to um, believe that you can't change it single-handedly. Two heads are always better than one, but one head is better than zero. Yes. So no matter what, if your man won't go to therapy or your wife won't go to therapy, you go. And not even therapy. Go get help. Go get coaching. Go get whatever you need. Go and start learning the skills, and then what I would do is I would just still be nice. I'd still be great, and then I would still invite them to come. I always have them every week say, I learned this really great thing about me. Don't go there and talk about them. Oh, I learned in class with Matt today that you're a reactive person that can't control your emotion, <laughs> and you always turn to fight or flight. Well, I thought maybe you know you, you fix the first one, and then the, the second one realizes, wait a minute, this is a big change, and now, now I need therapy. Oh, yeah. Well, well you would think so. But that's mature yeah. people. Oh, okay. A lot of them are like, yeah, but you know, it's funny, like he was saying earlier, when all of a sudden one of us starts to get more healthy and effective, the other one doesn't like it. Yes. Well, it's a change. It do, it's a change. And, and what's interesting is now I'm not – now I'm going to set a boundary and now I'm not going to take your crud. And well, But I don't have to fight back with you. I'll just say, honey, that's not appropriate. You don't – Well, that's because it's not the norm in the relationship. Right. And so uh, all of a sudden the, the, the cog is broken according right. to the, the person who doesn't see it. And what's amazing is – so almost a lot – I mean universally I'll see one of the people that won't want to talk and the other one that wants to talk will come to my program to learn how to talk. And then once she's in the program, she'll start handling it in such a different way that the husband every time will start saying, so what would you learn today? <laughs> and now he wants to talk. And, and I, t- I teach him. Once you see that sign, what are they telling you? They're telling you they're interested. So then – and I always have them admit their flaws, admit their junk. So if you'll go, do what you know needs to be do, done. Follow your conscience. If your conscience is telling you to get help, get help. And – Usually your conscience is right. It's pretty much always right, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it a crazy thing? Yeah. Here's a, here's a question. Has anybody ever come with their spouse and said – can you put it back? <laughs> yeah. I want to go. No, I have. I had a client that came and um, they couldn't even fill out – the wife couldn't fill out the forms to even do my initial assessment Yeah, because she couldn't read. Oh. Hmm. So in our first session – So it was a literacy problem. It was – she was illiterate and, uh, and controlled by this man that was literate. Wow. And so our entire first session was figuring out where she could go to get 
help with her literacy. Exactly. Six weeks later, she was starting to learn and, and be mm-hmm. literate. And within three months, she was reading and, and doing really well. She actually went and got another job that made about 7 to $8 more an hour than he did. Ooh. And the entire game changed. Yep. And he came into my office so ticked off, so mad and frustrated that he's like, you ruined my wife. <laughs> you done made her read. <laughs> Heaven forbid we should improve it, somebody. It was crazy. But so, again, I just look at the system and she looked at me and winked and she said, I'm strong. By the way, that's another great point. Get independent. So short of the codependent stuff, if you're too dependent on someone else needing you, loving you, how, you know, I mean, needing you and, and needing you to be the way you don't want to be. If you're stuck in that cycle, you have to become independent. Yeah. In a marriage, you have to be team players, but not. But no. one of you can't be the no. coach. Yeah, you, you got to be yeah. play, both. You got to be on the same team. You playing. can't. You can even be dependent on each other. But the reality is, you also need to know how to make your own living, do yes. your own laundry, cook your own meals. Because if we have two independent people, we can then create interdependence. Yes. That's the only way on earth this works. Are you getting all this, James? I am. I'm you totally getting you, it. I'm doing this for you and Malay. He has notes. Good he has stuff. notes over there. Yeah. You and Malele need this. I think this could make it – this and, and your knives could get you somewhere. <laughs> Sounds like a circus act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a circus act that will be under the big, under the big top this Friday. Ooh, this Friday with an eye. <laughs> Getting you on America's Got Talent. Malele. <laughs> Malele. <laughs> Bird's all. And James. <laughs> I can hear the – I can see this the act now. Good. I can hardly wait to meet her. Yeah, it's going to be great. She – I don't know that she's a real person. Oh, she is. Ma- Maddie met her this week. Maddie? Yeah. Maddie met Malele? Yeah. At the market? Yeah, at the market. Yep. That's a time. I hate question. to tell you, but she has visited our show. <gasps> she has. Yep. It's true. Was she here yesterday? No. No, it was like a month and a half ago. Yeah. Was she here when I was here? Yeah. 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 You weren't you weren't in the studio. We'll tell you about it. That's creepy. <gasps> was she at BYU down in the Yes, on our room, on our remote, yeah. yeah. Was she that girl that was kissing on you during my show? <laughs> <laughs> that was creepy. I thought I was like a relative. Anyway, uh, we're going to take a break. A uh, little less a flashback to Honey Boo Boo. We're going to take a break. Um, When we come back, Julie Nelson's in the house. By the way, she's going to be talking about sibling rivalry. So if you have children that are, you know, just at each other and you need some coaching from the child whisperer, Julie Nelson, today's the day. Give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, with your questions about raising children so they don't fight. We don't have to fight. That's the goal of the show. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here, right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. To the Matt Townsend Show. That's Jordan Sparks singing the, sh- the, the song Tattoo, uh, which happens to be the theme music for Julie K. Nelson. Because I have them all over my body. The mom whisperer. The bomb mom, the child whisperer, <laughs> wife, mother of five children, author of Parenting with Spiritual Power, master's degree in marriage and family and human development. 
She's a teacher at Utah Valley University. Mm-hmm. I've I've UU tap, tattooed on my body. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, another interesting fact about the Child Whisperer is it's tomorrow's her birthday. Yes, Halloween. I am a witch. <laughs> Spooky. My kids I always just got called, when called you said me that. that growing up. Do they really? They called you a witch. But, you know, it's just true. I'd say, yeah, I am. I was born on Halloween. You know how your kids like – we're going to talk about this today, about how they like say all these rude things to you. Like, I hate you. Yes. You're a witch. I'm like, yes. Yeah, you knew it. Oh. You guessed it. I was born on Halloween. Your kids are sassy. Um, we're not going to get into your age, but let me guess. Okay. 26. Right. How did you know? Well, you were just talking about it during mm-hmm. the break. Yeah. 26 years young. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that young? Seeing as I'm not really 26. I feel like my hips are about 80. Yeah. I really am much older than that. You look great. Thank you for the shape I'm in. I like the witch hat. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you'd wear that I brought my broom, but I left it outside. Your children shouldn't call you names. So, by the way, anybody out there in listener land... Uh, if you have a child that isn't quite giving you the love you need, mm-hmm. if they're acting, I don't know, childish. Who would have thunk? Give right? us a call. one eight five five chat byu one eight five five two four two eight two nine eight. 242 8298 And Julie K. Nelson from A Spoonful of Sugar, no, the author of- No, the... A Spoonful of Parenting. Oh, sorry. That's why I can't find it. <laughs> I just found the website A Spoonful of Sugar, which, by the way, don't go there. Don't. No. <laughs> That I would, don't know who sugar is. But not, that's not me. Somebody just took a spoonful of sugar. It's a, um, a spoonful of parenting.com. Parenting. Yeah, I was, I was like, it's not coming up. There it is. But it had it had the Manning Giants football player on there. Oh, yeah, your site's better. You're the um, – but give her a call, folks, 1-855-242-8298. And she'll answer your questions. She'll teach you how to talk your child off the ledge. Right. And talk yourself off the ledge as well. And talk yourself off the ledge and how to wash their mouth out with a spoonful of parenting. (laughs) Soap. That sounds bad. Were you a soap girl? Did you put soap in their mouth? You know, Tabasco. one of my kids accused me of that. She said, I remember you putting soap in my mouth once. I don't remember that. Yeah. It might have happened in one of my weaker moments, my less better parenting moments. But probably she deserved it. Probably. 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 But I've never done that. But that, I mean, probably worked. Yeah, I she never, I never remembered it. it was one time apparently. Yeah. That was it. I think she's thinking something else. Yeah. I think she, you mistakenly put dish soap on her toothbrush or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? You well, even if I did, I'm not ashamed to say You're not. so. You're a mom. Yeah. Moms make mistakes, dads make mistakes. And it probably was very effective. Uh, <laughs> she probably never said that nasty thing again, whatever it was. Yeah. See, my kids never say nasty things. My kids just sit there like bumps on logs not saying I'm anything. I'm sure of that. Not. Not, they don't. Hey, um, what do we need to know? When our kid says they hate us or anything like that, mm-hmm. what do we do? Can't tase them. No. Can't yell. Can't mouth out with soap. Can't put duct tape over their mouth. No duct tape. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Yeah. Can't kick them out. Can't resign from parenting saying can't, I'm done. Can't turn in your resume. Or you know, it really app, does yeah. depend on the age of the child, the situation you're in. Okay. You know, and there is just not a cookbook answer for nope. that. Um, and we don't want to do cookbooks here. No. Um, but, you know, you really have to look at the context and what's happened before, what the child's experiencing and what ages. Um, it could be just a tantrum and they're just yelling and they're just venting. They're be- nothing some, it's to age do appropriate. With, nothing to do with you. Right. But you're the nearest object. And so because mm-hmm. you're central to their lives, usually you get battered. Sure. And that's the way things are. And I always tell parents, first and foremost, if your child is, you know, yelling out stuff – 
kind of take it as a compliment. Yeah. I know it's hard to say that. Well, that sounds crazy. That, but the fact is that they are showing their worst side to you because they trust you the most sure. to see their ugliest side. That's and therefore it's a call, therefore it's a call for help. And you're the one that they know that they need to help. And they don't trust anybody else. And so therefore I'm going to unload and sh- I'm show you my worst side. And, yeah. and because I trust you, you are there as the most important person in my life. And so I'm going to show you my ugliest side. We do this in marriages yeah, too, right? Yeah, that's true. Totally. Yeah. But it seems like the what you want to do is go off. Mm-hmm. But it seems like you don't want to show them that they're getting to you. Mm-hmm. So it's almost more like just relax. Mm-hmm. And try to understand what's going on. Is that what we're supposed to yeah, do? Yeah, just put on your therapist hat. Like, where's this coming it's, from? Yeah, where's this coming from? And it could be they had a really miserable day at school. They're just coming home and just like venting. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, you sound really. And again, we've talked about this in the in the show. Angry, frustrated. Let's talk when you're ready. Yeah. And so I acknowledge that they've come from a really bad situation that I need to hear about. Now, if I start yelling back at them, yeah. I'm never going to hear what was the cause of their frustration, anger. It could have been something really bad just happened yeah. with a friend, right. with a teacher, with a coach. And I need to hear about that. So if I close the door on that conversation, I'm never going to hear what was the what precipitated that, what mm-hmm. caused them to feel this distress. I want to be there to help with the medicine they need That's great. when they are going to be ready to open. So right now it's it's just the explosion time. You know. Let them explode. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess this is where the spoonful of parenting is coming. Yeah. It's the medicine. Yeah. It helps right. the medicine go, go down. down. That's why I wanted sugar on the spoon. So I so I might say, hey, you know what? Go, go you know, in your room and, you know, let me know when you're ready to talk. Or if they're just ready to sit down on the couch and just start crying, I'm the shoulder. Mm. You know, I'm right there. Yeah. But for parents that are out there saying, well, what if they start saying really hostile things to yeah. me? Well, James did this just yesterday. That's right. Hey, James. I like your scarf, by the way. Thank you. That it's, looks really ask awesome. Ask him what it's covering. <laughs> the hickeys on your neck? <laughs> nope. A Frisbee accident. <laughs> I like the hickeys on the neck better. Yeah, I do too, but we always talk about his girlfriend, Monica, uh-huh. and he he doesn't like to bring her up. Are you still going with her? Yes. No hickeys. Just uh, just uh, wanted to throw that one out there. Uh-huh. He's just really cold in our studio that's 95 free, degrees. Yeah. What's with the, yeah, what, I didn't think of that. What is with the ascot? It looks so good. So afterward. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mr. Howell. Well, I just came, <laughs> you know, I told you this just in May, I was in Germany and everyone wears scarves. Even, really? even the little children, even the little boys, the five-year-old boys, they wear little like that. They See, look so smashingly. Awesome. They look so good. My daughter said, mom, when I have a child, they're going to look just like that because they just look, <laughs> oh my gosh. I think it's cute, too. They are. They're adorable. <laughs> so you're adorable, James. No, Glad to hear you and Monica are still doing yep. well. Okay. So back to the topic. So uh, when there's when there's you know, like spewing when they're, all when this they're venom. When they're spewing, then we do still have to have boundaries. Yeah, but so but they're, they're emotional, right? Mm-hmm. They're hijacked. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like they're a little volcano. Mm-hmm. So if you go – and it's even harder when they're a 13-year-old spewing mm-hmm. because am I going to physically remove you? Well, I or can, do I just walk away? It just I can, seems smarter to just sit there and phys- say. I can physically walk away or I can say, you know what? That crossed the line yeah. of respect. You need to go in and cool down, cool, your, jet, you cool your jets, dude, and then we'll talk. Yeah. Or if they're just in your face, then you've got to say, I'm going to walk away now and we'll talk when you're That's able great. to talk respectfully. And, you know, I always counsel parents as well is in the moment is not the time to teach. Yeah, this is not the moment. No. So 
so prior to this, and this has happened before, then you're going to, uh, prior to this, say, you know, this has happened in the past where you're in my face yelling profanities or whatever. You know, that's not that's not appropriate in our family. That's I don't great. speak disrespectfully, and, and you shouldn't be. Now, parents, if you are doing the same yeah. thing to them, you have no leg to stand on. Right, right. So you have to be re- respectful no matter what so that you can earn respect and ask for that's respect. Right. You can't expect them to be more respectful mm-hmm. than you were. Right. So if you've blown up and yelled at if somebody. If you're throwing pots and pans and mm. you're yelling, then you can't say, buddy, you'd better be respectful. Yeah. So I will say you know, to them in a calm moment, when this happens again, I'm going to ask you to remove yourself. Or if you don't, if you're still in my face, I'm just going to turn around and walk away because we can't talk during that time because yeah. it just escalates. Yeah. So when you're calmed down, I will be so happy to be there. It gives them safety yeah. to know there's rules in, in life. Well, we yeah, all need to have cool. rules. We, need, we all need to know that there's some kind of things I can count on, even when I'm a emotionally flooded. And so mom's back there doing her walk away thing. Oh, yeah, I just crossed the line. That's great. I I love it because, too, it's predictable. Look Uh how you they know how you'll be Mm -hmm. versus if you go off, Mm -hmm. you're just teaching them that going off works. Yeah. And that never works. Yeah, it never works. The other thing you have to know is like they're coming from an event. Um, There is an issue that happened. that caused this event, this right. explosion. There's something that you mm-hmm. don't know. There's an issue. So the volcano is the lava coming out. And parents, so in your mind out there, picture a volcano the fl- that's flooding, right? Yeah, it's, right. It's coming. But underneath, there's lava, molten lava. There's something going I've got on. to figure out what the issue is. That's and good. so if they're coming from a place of ye- yelling things, of whatever it might be, the hostility, the thing to keep in mind is, again, they trust me. I I should be grateful that they're coming to me yeah. with these hard emotions. But yeah. let's figure out what's going on. It could be that right now they're feeling completely unloved. Mm. They're feeling completely frustrated. And we got to get through all that mess, all that get cloud. Down to the real get down. Deal. They need more attention. They need more time of my time, recognition, discouragement. They're feeling angry about a relationship. Yeah. I've got to get down to what that core is. Uh, her name's Julie K. Nelson. She is the bomb mom. Not the bomber's mom. That's different. She's the child whisperer. Go to her website, A Spoonful of Parenting, adding a little zest to being a parent. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to come back to uh, our wonderful guest a day older tomorrow. Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Actually, a year older tomorrow. (laughs) And 20 years wiser. Yeah. Mm. How how old are you, by the way, Matt? 38. With 75-year-old hips. Anyway, we'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on BYU Radio. Wow. Roy Orbison. Reminds me of when Julie Nelson was born. In that year. We're not talking the year, Julie. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Julie K. Nelson in the house. The bomb mom, the child whisperer. She is the parenting expert. Go to her website, a spoonful of parenting.com. And she's teaching us today about, you know, what do you do when your kids explode and go off on you and just start, you know, saying things they're going to regret when their father gets home. <laughs> That's what people always used to say. Oh, you wait till your father gets home. Yeah. He's the one that doesn't love you enough to hit you. <laughs> um, 
But here's the deal. If you want, if you have a question about your children or about sibling rivalry, like should this be going on? What should we do? How do we handle some of that? Give us a call, one eight five five chat byu and Julie will answer your questions. Be happy to. Julie, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. you happy know, birthday tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to turn Sweet 29. 20. I thought you just aged three years in a, in a segment. <sighs> Get your I'll age just right. tell you what. Yeah. I was a... I was raised in the 60s. Let's just say that. I was a so 60s So you were born, uh-huh. if you were raised, that's you could have been born in the 50s. That's true. And raised in the 60s. No, you start raising your child from the you day You could have been born. born in the 40s. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I, I was that. born in the early 60s. Were you really? Yeah. So you're a hippie baby. I am. Mm-hmm. That explains it. Yep. Um, Call me a tree hugger. Tree hugger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You brought us treat by, treats, by the way. Mm-hmm. What are those? Apple? Apple galettes. Mm. Yeah. I appreciate it. I yeah. wish my team could get one, but. Because I'm a tree hugger, they came off my tree, my apple trees. Really? Yeah. Those are my own apples. What kind of apples are they? Lots of different kinds. Ooh. I have three varieties in there. Do you really? Yeah. Red. Yellow and blue. And yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen your tree. <laughs> That's a neat tree. That's how much uh, I know about uh, apples. Yeah. Um, so talk to us. Yeah, what do we, we do with these here, crazy, rambunctious I, kids? I think mostly what really perplexes us is those teenagers. Yes. And so I want to tell parents out there to chill because, first of all, not only just to recognize that these kids are just acting out because they need to show you their worst side to see if they're still lovable. Right. They're testing they're you. They're testing you. Do you still love me even though I act like X, Y, Z? Interesting. Um, to see, say, yeah, I, I wonder don't, about that. I, they don't I don't seem like love what that. you're doing right okay. now, or that was a stupid thing you did. But I still love mm. you. They need to hear that every day in this world that tells them you're not worth anything, you're not lovable, and and uh, they don't feel worth right. among their friends. So I love remember that. that. And second of all, remember that this is a phase of human development they have to go through. In our Western society, we expect that at 18 they're going to move away. Yeah. Okay. It's not That's, happening. It's, it's not happening, but it should be right. <laughs> And so during Please. 13 to 18, there is a biological need for the kids to say to themselves, ah, very soon, in a few years, I'm going to be on my own. Mm-hmm. I need to start exercising my independence. Yeah. What I think, and is it clash with your thinking or is it the same? And I'm going to test and try. Yeah. And so I'm going to start challenging you and decide, is that what I really believe or not? And they don't have it fine-tuned yet. No. So it's just kind of all or nothing. All over the place. Yeah. And they may be in your face saying, oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to go to church or I'm not going to do whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then you're like, you can make your own decision. You know how I feel. Because up to 12 was your time to teach your children these values. At 13 and on up, hopefully oh, you have boy. loved them and and, care, and nurtured them so that they can embrace them. But after that, you've got to yeah. give them some choices. See, but it gets riskier, those choices. Like when my, when my child was young, it was like, I'm going to hold my breath and kill myself. <laughs> you're like, go for it. Like, I got to you know, watch w- this. That wouldn't be the smartest thing, not but I'll happen. still love you right. and I'll attend your I'll funeral. Miss you. I'll miss you. You know, using humor is great. Yeah. I'll, I'll cry over your grave. It's, <laughs> you know. And so they know that you're not going to take anything too yeah. seriously. Yeah. Okay. But again, there are some warning signs. Parents, of course, do take seriously some things where they do, you know, say, I'm going to kill myself. Do yeah. do take those seriously. So they're saying something. Then, then. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the thing about it is you want to remember is that when they're going to be 18, they're going to be on their own and they're exercising that uh, need to have my own decisions. My like own, independence. My own value system. Yeah. And I oftentimes, when I was a teenager, I'd say to my mom, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Don't tell me. That's wrong. I'd be in her face about it. And then in my room, I'd be sitting there and later on, I'd be thinking, 
She was totally right. I hate her I hate, for that. <laughs> I hate that she's always right. But I acknowledged it and I knew yeah. that's what I should do. So that's why we need in to relax. Her face, and relax. They're going to be like, you're wrong. I hate you. You're a witch, all that sort of stuff. But really inside they're thinking, man, they're so right. Especially when the chemistry fades, right? So yeah. some of the relaxing is just give it time to let a little chemistry yeah, fade. Yeah, let them figure it out. It's going to distill on them that later. Yeah, mom. It's, especially if you are right, parents. Don't yeah. be like wacko out yeah. there. But do what's solid, you know, what's what's right and, and live those lives to mm-hmm. show them that it it That's brings cool. happiness. It brings me joy. And then the other thing about human development is, you know, the summer before they leave, everybody's ready to kill each other. Oh, yeah. It, it's because... That's part of human development because you're like, good riddance. Get out of here. This is the only here. way get out of you here. can be willing to let them go. Because they're doing something that is very, very um, – it's biological where they're cutting the apron strings yeah, for you right. to make it easier for you to say goodbye. So that's why they're so annoying. That's why they're so annoying. They're trying to annoy you So you're you like, um, you know, on the way out, don't forget to slam the door. Yes. You know, goodbye. And then it makes it easier for oh, that, that, trans- see, for that, that transition sense. into young mm-hmm. adulthood. It needs to be so that they you don't cry. Oh my God, I'm gonna miss you Is so that much. universal? Anytime anyone's trying to annoy you, are they really just trying to help you let them go? <laughs> yes, I think so. I think my wife's it, done. Yeah, that's what your wife's she's, doing. She's like trying to make me be independent. <laughs> you can cook yourself. Yeah. Ah. So when she burns the dinner all the time, yeah. you know that she's saying, Matt. Yeah, we need a new oven. Or yeah, you, you need, need to start, start cooking. cooking. You need to start cooking. Mm. This is good info. <laughs> Why didn't we know this? Yeah. Spoonful of parenting is where you're going to get that. Yeah. Uh, what do we do with these kids that um, when our kids are fighting? Oh, that drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. I was making salmon the other day. Why didn't you invite me over? Because I way, love salmon. That is a sentence you won't hear me say very often. I love it. I was making pasta and salmon. Oh, man. Matt, you didn't invite me To over. surprise my family. And I found out later no one in the family likes salmon except my <laughs> wife. So we ate the salmon and the kids were running around and there was one that was testing, let's just say number four was testing number five. Mm -hmm. And I about blew it. I just couldn't take it. What is it about that little rivalry between those two? They don't. They don't have it with anyone else. It's just those two. Yeah, those two because they love each other so much. Is that it? That's the way they show their love. I don't think that's what they're mm-hmm. thinking. Later on, when they're thirty and forty, they're like, "Man, we we are just, they gonna be best friends? They're gonna be best friends." Uh huh. I I'm doubting this. No, it's true. James is not in his head. It's true, James. James, I, do I speak the truth? Oh yeah, I think so. How I many siblings that. do you have, James? I have seven siblings. Seven siblings. Where do you fit? I'm number six. Six. Do you fight with five? <laughs> no. Me okay. me, and number eight didn't get along at all. Uh, number eight is no longer with us <laughs> because I thought you only had seven. I had seven siblings. I had eight kids total. Oh, okay. That's, like, that's weird. Okay. They really didn't get along. Yeah. They yeah. Really. <laughs> Let's just say I came out on top. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> what, what do we do when we have the sibling rival? I guess it's normal, right? They're just yeah. kind of testing each other. Yeah it's, yeah. it's their way to show love. But, you know, you irritate each other as well, and especially if they're close in age. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing that I like to do is to give them chores to do together. Because there is so much to learn from doing chores, problem solving, well, get yeah. teamwork, negotiation, fairness. Not dishes, though, right? There's knives. <laughs> you don't let them. You don't put them around sharp objects. Clean your room. Go clean the room. Yeah. Go bathroom. You know, go rearrange yeah. the pillows. Do the windows of the house. I'm. You're inside. The other one's outside. They have to stare at each other through the window. 
<laughs> That's a great idea. Um, but doing something together like that yeah. really forces them to see and work and do. Yeah, we usually try to separate them, That's don't we? Right. But then mm-hmm. we don't ever get through this. Yeah. And, you know, if they start running to me and crying, well, she's not. What I say to them is, it's your chore to do together. I'm sure you'll work it out. And mm. get them to start yeah. talking to each other That's and good. working. And they have to, it forces them to become a team. That's cool. I'm not going to come in and solve all your problems for you. Now, there's a couple things I can do, especially when they're very young. But, you know, towards the older middle childhood and teens, they can work it out. Yeah, I agree. You Maybe know? send them out on um, Rick, Rick on leaves. Halloween together. Rick, yeah. Rick Go leaves. watch your brother make sure he doesn't die. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever it takes, go out there and rake those leaves. And if you come in, it just wastes time, my time and your time. I know you can stay out there. I know yeah. you can work it out. Yeah, you, you, or you can just stay out there till midnight. <laughs> And yeah, that's how it the thing go. I do is, and not all parents will do this and don't need to, but in my family, when I was being raised, as well as my own children, they roomed together. Now, I know there's houses where you can each have your own room. Oh, wow. And that does take away some of the friction because yeah. you have your own space. But man alive, my, me and my sister didn't get along all the time. And we roomed for the entire time I Did was you really? for 18 years. See, that's the problem with these McMansions. They're all the big houses yeah. where every kid gets a room. Yeah, it's an entitlement type thing. Yeah. And it's don't step in my space, don't that's breathe right. my air. And if you have to step in each other's space, then you learn again how to get along. You're not, we're not giving our kids enough opportunities with conflict to learn how to get along. And that's a skill they have to learn, and you have to learn it by doing it. Yeah. You don't sit in a room and, this is how we handle conflict. Mm-hmm. You got to get them in conflict. You do. So room them together, bunk them up. <laughs> and step back and watch oh, the watch fireworks. The fireworks. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking, if we did that, oh my heavens, that would be bad. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be a great learning. Yeah. Can we just call you? Yeah. We'll just call you on the phone when we put them in the same room. It's going to be combustible for many families. And I'm not saying to do this every single time for every sibling. But think about it, parents. It may create more friction in the beginning, but they learn how to get along. Me and my sister, I mean, she seriously hated me so much that she drew a line with her finger down the middle of the carpet (laughs) and said, don't you cross this line. She was the older one, of course. Really? Don't touch my things, da da da. And you know what? It oh, didn't matter. No. She said that in a moment of frustration with me, but that line, that invisible line, just kind of melted did you, away. Did you, I would have erased it and readjusted the line. <laughs> so when she walked back in, all of a sudden you had more room. Yeah, yeah. No, there was really no line because I mean, she didn't draw anything. No, in the carpet. Come on. No, it didn't, it didn't last. <sighs> the point is that she was mad, but we got along. We had so many talks. In you guys the, still friends? The best. Are you really? The best of friends. And we just sit there in our beds at night and just kind of just talk. Do you guys still do this? <laughs> no. You guys need like a, a girl time. No. A girl. She lives in a different state. Slumber party. Yeah. But you know, there's just those times where you have to just j- just get along with the person who you didn't think was your best friend and all of a sudden they are. They are. And you realize they have your back. But it and just takes some maturity. Back. It takes some time. And just being in that room for all those years, we grew to be best friends. It That's wasn't great. always the same, but my parents just kind of facilitated that. And don't compare. That's the other thing that can cause sibling rivalry is if the parents are always, yeah. well, why aren't you more like James? He has a cool scarf on. Why don't James, you wear- why don't you get a scarf like James? <laughs> he looks really rocking that scarf. And then the child's like, I hate scarves. I don't want to wear 
first guy. Why am I always like James? You know, and so never <laughs> say things that would compete and pit a child against the other. That's a good point. And make them. Well, James is super athletic. Why aren't you? Well, because I like music. Well, what's music? That's for sissies. Let the child be who they want to be. Yeah. Individualize your parenting for them, and don't parent the same for every child. No, you can't. No. See, they always claim that's not fair. Mm-hmm. But fair is like a playground rule, mm-hmm. right? I mean, fair is not in parenting, really. Right, right. It's really what needs to be done. Some kids need something different. Mm-hmm. Some kids need a, some kids need a scarf, <laughs> right? Some kids don't. They're okay with their neck just flapping out there in the wind. They, yeah, they need to express themselves for who they are. And if it's not what you think is what you know, cool or whatever, that's not the sport you would have right. picked. Let them do it, and yeah. never compare. Why aren't Why aren't your grades looking like his? And never be doing that because that will that's just a cause a lot of competition and jealousy and animosity towards siblings. And you're just fostering that's that. Right. And when that would be a really negative. Well, and it's really harmful to the parent because. Your child may have completely different gifts that the other mm-hmm. your your earlier children didn't have, mm-hmm. and you're you're missing them. Yeah, and instead you're thinking, why aren't your grades better? But you're missing the art, or you're yeah. missing these other things. Yeah, that's great yeah. stuff, man. So don't buy dual scarves and give them to both Try. kids. Try and dress them the same. I, I think personally, it was his girlfriend Mercedes that gave him the scarf. <laughs> you know. I think it's I think it's from Mercedes. That's yeah. why he's wearing it. <laughs> I love the way her, is it from Mercedes? Her, name, her name changes every day. <laughs> is that what's what is her name? Uh, Molly. 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 Oh, Molly. C- C- Carol. Her name's Malanka. She's from <laughs> Russia. Good, good taste. The motherland. <laughs> Malanka and James. Someday they'll get married and we'll all be invited. And we'll learn her true name. Her true name, Malele. It'll come out one day. One day, Malele will give us her real name. We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, we're going to wrap this show up. How to love monsters. It's an important question. A.K.A. your children. No. Oh, no. We're talking the real monsters. I think this is these are real monsters. Okay. Or maybe just the most difficult people in your life. Okay. We'll see. I don't know. They like to surprise me on this one. Uh, We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Wrapping up the show right here on the Matt Townsend Show. And, uh, hey, stick with us. Because... Julie K. Nelson is going to stick through to the end of the show, right? Mm -hmm. She won't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after the break. everybody wrapping it up putting a nice bow and ribbon on it <sighs> closing down the show they've kicked us off the air in about seven minutes hey today we're going to wrap up the show we've been talking about um people that love you that hurt you and apparently not james and uh marie but uh a lot of people have relationship monsters just great people they're not bad people they're not life suckers that just take it out of you. They're just wonderful people. But, oh, they irritate you. We're going to turn the time over. <laughs> Mary gave me the most, I don't know, vacant look. <laughs> like, I wasn't planning on talking about that. It was, well, Am you I did close? lead Am I into it into an interesting way. Yeah, thank you. I'm a no, highly yeah. There, there are people who don't suck the life out of you, but there no. might be people who get on your nerves. Like, yeah. 
you know that one guy who only talks about skiing? Yes. Yeah, he gets yes. on my nerves. Or the one guy that always wears a scarf or an ascot <laughs> to work. Yeah, I know. What's up with Drives that? me crazy. <laughs> or, you know, there's that one girl who's always super chipper in the morning. Chippy, we call her. Yeah. <laughs> that Don't Alyssa like that either. Raised her hand. <laughs> or there's the redheaded, there's the redheaded girl named Maddie that always looks at me like I've just kicked a baby. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Hi, Maddie. So yeah, so I was, I was. But you're not my monster. I'm just saying, I was a hypothetical. That's that's good. Okay, that she's going, not Mary. a monster. So I was looking at some different um, things of how to deal with these people who just get on your nerves. Yeah. These, you know, little monsters in your life. And I found a really great article with lots of very practical, wholesome things in it, what? written by a pastor. Oh, good. He had some interesting things to say, like sometimes difficult people are the ones who have the nerve to say what everyone else is thinking. That's yes. Maddie. That's Maddie. That That's is, Maddie isn't Richards. that true? That's yes. a cool thing. That's a value that they have. Um, difficult people often <laughs> reflect what you is bothering bothers you most in yourself. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, what, that's why the scarf bugs me. Because you want one. Because I covet mm-hmm. neckwear. I'm wearing a scarf next time just so I can look like James. <laughs> Shave your head. And here's another one. That'll Everyone is somebody's difficult person. Yes. Oh, that's, I mean, so I mean, that's, that's great. That's by Dr. Steve Dunmire. I thought that was great advice. Well, and think about it. Maybe we need to be thinking, are we, who, whose monster are we? Exactly. But I also didn't want to follow that advice, so I came up with my own. Okay, well, good. Yeah. Uh, so. Sure. Just get, let me just throw away the PhD. <laughs> that sounded way That's too. Okay. No, I don't know. It. Like it would actually help. Got me. rid of it. So I came up with some other things. Okay. Um, first of all, learn to laugh. Yes. So that's my thing is that uh, you could just laugh whenever that person starts to do that thing that bugs you. Just be like, oh, it's happening again. And just <laughs> is treat that why it as, you guys laugh at me? Um, no makes, comment. It just seems so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you could ask other people what's great about them. I always find that interesting. Yeah. You go ask, you know, this person who bothers you, go ask their best friend what they like most oh, about the difficult like person. That. Yeah. Because it's really likely that there's probably some great things that you don't even there know about. There, yeah, there, yeah you know? there are. Um, find something that you agree on, like a hobby or mm-hmm. a TV show that you both watch and try only to talk about that. <laughs> Because it, it works pretty well. Unless I've that's what offends you and bothers you about this person is they only ever talk about that one thing. Well, yeah, but you'd have to find the different thing that you can ah, talk okay. to them that's about. So this, if, are you learning? Are you learning? I'm learning. This is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So if, if it really bugs you when you talk about like politics with them or, you know, um, schoolwork or yeah. anything and you just want to, you know, shoot the breeze, just this is good. pick something that you can agree on and then you can just talk about it. And just go deep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, realize they're probably not trying to hurt you. They're not. I, think, I mean, it's really easy to take things. They're right. just an annoying person. Personally, yeah. They're not trying to hurt you. They're yeah. just trying to annoy you. Exactly. And <laughs> maybe not even that. They're just completely socially ignorant. That is yes. also very likely. They didn't. The so. social elevator didn't get to their floor. Get to their floor. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> a great way to put it. Yeah. Other one is to see if you can talk her his language Ooh. so there's this great scene in the show parks and recreation where they get some new employees in the office and one of them really really irritates the character april april is very much a yeah. hipster kind of emo kind of girl and the girl who moves in is definitely kind of la valley girl and so instead of getting annoyed april decides to just try to be like her to be like her talk her talk and just makes it a gay <laughs> and Tries to Does talk the LA Valley. It's pretty hilarious, yeah. And at least it's amusing. See, if we had so, a clip of that, that'd be fantastic. It would be good. I should have thought about that. I earlier. wish. Well, I just wish we. You know, 
Well, anyway, um, I'm just looking at four so, producers. Some people who could have done that, right? <laughs> Any, anyway, <laughs> blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, that's good. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 so talk their language. Yeah, talk their language. Just try, try to, I mean, it's you're, you're traveling into unknown territory. Yeah. Who knows what will happen? And it may you change you and open up your horizon. Yeah, you might it's understand yeah. them more. Yeah. So there's actually something you know, yeah, no, nice to that really good. Just... That's really good. <laughs> see, wait, see, see how Julie just elevated it. I know. That's why that she's was, a pro. It, yeah. Exactly. That's why she's right? a spoonful of parenting. And my last com. suggestion is to make it a game. I have done this in my life with um, usually with the annoying roommate. So you, she comes Hypothetically. in and you make bets with your the people who are with you. It's like yeah. I bet that she's going to talk about this the minute she comes in. Yeah, or, let's time her from the minute she walks uh, to the door how long it takes for her to bring up her boyfriend again. Exactly. Yeah. Or let's time how many times she says. You know, and the, what is this. honestly fun is then let her in on the joke because that's a way. <laughs> it is like, true. Because then you're like, oh my heck, we had all just bet five bucks that you would say that right when you walked in. No way. And so that's a way. I mean, it is now she a nice way to let yeah. them know, but mm-hmm. it's not like you're being mean or vindictive. Why do I do that It's like a you're lot? celebrating their personality. Uh, exactly. Yeah, so. once in a while. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should we make a bet tomorrow um, on whether James will wear a scarf or not? That I'll go with twenty. Good. You're gonna go I'll with go with 20? twenty bucks on a scarf. I can't afford that one. So or a blue ascot. Do you give give me the money if I don't wear it? <laughs> no, but you know what? I bought a tie the other day that comes with an ascot. A tie okay. that comes with an but not ascot. an ascot, like a, but it's a it's a nice pocket, but it's a oh, bigger than okay. a pocket square. So I think you could like turn it into a neckerchief, <laughs> and I'm going to give it to you. Done, I accept, but only if you wear it. <laughs> That's a high price to pay. Don't you think that'd be great? Uh, well done, Merritt. Uh, I think I've learned a lot. Have you learned? I've learned a lot. Julie I K. love Nelson's those learned. ideas. And by the way, if you want more insight and just positivity. You got to go to Julie's website, a spoonful of parenting. Yeah, I have a lot of articles there, and my books there, the um, Parenting with Spiritual Power, that you can look into. Yeah. And um, yeah. and it, just so you know, she'll add a little zest to being a parent. Yeah, that's, that's my byline. That's the byline on the on the website. We're out of here, my friends. Hey, a quote from Gordon B. Hinckley: "Happy is the man who can brush off the offending remarks of another and go his go on his own way." Mm-hmm. How great would that be? Tomorrow we're going to have a best stuff show. Next Monday, more great stuff, more ideas. Remember, the, the purpose of this show is to give you a leg up and to help you see the good in the world. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. Again, we'll talk again tomorrow.